Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's Sermon on the Mount teaching in Matthew 5, 17 through 30, called The Law of the King. I will tell you this, I, I struggle with some people in our culture and I struggle with some people who are in leadership in our culture. And I'm not sure that all of my thoughts are prayers. Can I get a witness? And so Jesus' words caused me to search my heart. So what do I do if this has been my mindset? My mindset, look at 23. If therefore, Jesus speaking, you're presenting your offering at the altar. The only altar was in Jerusalem at the temple. And the altar would represent something like the Day of Atonement. You go there, you confess your sin on the head of an animal. It dies on the altar, sheds its blood to cover your sin. Well, if you go to Jerusalem and you're there for the feast and you are presenting a sacrifice, an animal's gonna die for your sin and you remember that your brother has something against you. There's hatred, bitterness between the two of you. Leave your offering there before the altar. Go your way. Notice the order. First be reconciled to your brother then come and present your offering. We might write here in our Bibles, Ephesians 4.26, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, what is Jesus doing here? He's saying that relationships trump religion. If you walk into a church building, praise the Lord, hallelujah, yet you've got a wake of destruction in your path on the way to the church, there's a problem. Example, we had uh, Sherman Garnett, new uh, leader of our men's ministry, tells a story. He's a retired sheriff. He says he, he got called out to a home, a domestic violence call, and, and a man there that got confronted had just beat up his wife. He had, he had brutalized her physically, and it came out that he had done this multiple times. But he was trying to get out of the house before the officers arrested him because he was on his way to teach a Bible study. Uh, I got to get out of here. Wait, one more, honey. I got to go teach a Bible study now. I'm not kidding. This is a real story. So Sherman said that when he got the guy in the back of the police car, he said to him, dude, help me understand how you feel like you could beat your wife and you're on your way to teach a Bible study? Don't you see something wrong here? Well, I guess the guy felt bad. I don't know if he repented or not. I was in a class in another state. Guy uh, in the class tells me that on the East Coast, he's part of a network of churches, a denomination, where in some of the denominational churches, they have pastors who have mistresses on the side. He said, one pastor I know of has three or four mistresses other than his wife, and everybody knows about it in the congregation, and he still preaches every Sunday in the pulpit. I said, how is that possible? Well, in that denomination, they believe that the pastor is the man. He's God's anointed. So no one can confront him, so he just keeps going on with it. And everybody knows about it, 
but nobody does anything about it. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying that you've got to be perfect to represent the king because none of us would qualify. He is saying if there's a disconnect and you've so compartmentalized your life that you think you can do this and then do this, uh uh-uh. Your righteousness better surpass that because all that is is a game. So he says, look, if you're presenting your offering and you realize there's something amiss in a relationship, take care of it. Let me read two scriptures for you. For the sake of time, don't turn there. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 and 2 reads this way. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 and 2. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God. Draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they're doing evil. Don't be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven, you are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Don't offer the sacrifice of fools. Listen to David after he sinned with Bathsheba. Psalm 51, 10 through 12 reads this way. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. That could be my prayer every day. Lord, give me a willing spirit. Change me. He says in verse 15 of Psalm 51, O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Jesus said, be poor in spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. David is saying, if I could have come to the temple and offered an animal in light of what I did with her, I would do it. But that's not what God wanted from me. What did God want? He wanted my heart to change. He wanted me to know that when I slept with her and had her husband killed, I had offended him. And he must do a new work in my heart. Sinful anger must be dealt with. This anger that Jesus talks about is a seething, resentful anger that you continue to chew on and smack on and you know, think about your next comeback or your next line or the, the way you'll have distaste for this person. That is not God's heart. So I have to pray, create in me a clean heart, oh God, if that's my attitude. Now, Jesus gives a parable to tell us more about what to do. Make friends quickly, 25, with your opponent at law while you're with him on the way. In order that your opponent, this would be one who you owe money to, may not deliver you to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. That's a debtor's prison. For I truly say to you, you shall not come out of there until you've paid the last cent. So here's Jesus' illustration to kind of put the bow on this. Let's say you're walking to a court and you owe this person walking with you a ton of money and you're walking along and you're about to go to a court and get thrown into a debtor's prison if you can't pay. As you're walking along, you might say to this guy, hey, um, sorry about that. Could we work out a payment plan? Could we settle outside of court? And if the guy says, all right, uh, let's work it out, then you've worked it out prior to going before the court. 
That's what Jesus is saying. Work it out now. Don't wait until you're before the judge and all the facts of the case come out. Amen? I know you can't take much more. But I do want to show you one more because I did this at first service, so I'll move quickly. Truly, I say to you, you won't come out of there until you've paid the last cent. So look at, here's the second topic he addresses. The scribes and the Pharisees were divorcing their wives because they lusted for other women and they did, did it under the cloak of the law. You could divorce your wife if she burnt the toast, overcooked your eggs, or whatever. You write a certificate of divorce, she's gone. Now, legally, you could be with another woman because Moses said you could write a certificate of divorce. Why are you divorcing her? We have irreconcilable differences. What may they be? She burnt the toast. Change the setting on the toaster, brother. Oh, no, 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 no. She overcooked the egg. She oversalted my potatoes. I want a divorce. Why do you want a divorce? Because I really want to be with that other woman. But I know that if I go this route, I'll be legal according to the law. Jesus says, no. Look, here's the deal. You've heard that it's said you shall not commit adultery. Of of course, that's a commandment. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, a lot of talk's been given on this verse. Let me just say this. The language means this. You're eyeing a woman, not so, you're walking down the street and a good-looking individual passes you by. What should you do? Head down, whatever I run into, you know, so be it. Look, (laughs) appreciation of beauty is not a bad thing. You could look at a guy or a gal and say something like this, good job, God. Um... And I don't think that you've crossed over into sin. Beauty's all around us. God is a God of beauty, right? He made people in his image. There's beautiful people. There's nothing wrong with an appreciation of beauty. But if you begin to gawk at a person and undress them with your eyes and the plan of action in your brain is to be with them sexually, you've crossed the line into adultery. Now, in both these cases, Jesus is not saying the act is equivalent with the thought. But he's saying on a spiritual level, it basically is. Because they thought they were getting away with something and they weren't in heaven's eyes. So there's a difference between appreciating beauty and making a plan to be with someone sexually or fantasizing in your own head. I think you all know the line there. So what do we do, Pastor Michael? Well, Jesus is going to give us a couple final verses. Here's what it says. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out. Throw it from you. For it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you to stumble, cut it off. Throw it from you. It's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. I didn't say that. Don't send me emails. Jesus said it. That's our Lord, right? Now, he's using extreme language. He's not telling people to cut off your hand or pluck your eye out. That would be an ugly scene. And some ancients took him quite literally and did things to their body that they shouldn't have done, like castrating themselves. I don't think that that's what Jesus is talking about. I think he's just saying this. Take radical measures with sin. 
You've been listening to the Walk in Truth program. Hey, listen, family, Pastor Michael here. Hey, I wanted to just take a moment to celebrate something that the Lord has done, and He's done it through you. Those of you who pray, those of you who give, we are now adding a radio station in San Diego. It is 106.1 FM and 1210 AM K and we are now adding a morning drive time at 5 a.m., 5 a.m., Monday through Friday, and we're going to be on Sunday mornings at 6.30 a.m., and we are so grateful for all of you who have been praying, those of you who have become, have become Walk in Truth partners. We've walked through a new door, and we want to walk through more, so if you want to learn more about how to partner with us, it's walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. But we just wanted to say a big thank you and give glory to God for this new radio station. I pray the Lord does wonderful things through it in his name. Amen and amen. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth financial partners. And be sure to check out our Walk in Truth app, available in your app store. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. A couple final verses. Here's what it says. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out. Throw it from you. For it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you to stumble, cut it off. Throw it from you. It's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. I didn't say that. Don't send me emails. Jesus said it. That's our Lord, right? Now, he's using extreme language. He's not telling people to cut off your hand or pluck your eye out. That would be an ugly scene. And some ancients took him quite literally and did things to their body that they shouldn't have done, like castrating themselves. I don't think that that's what Jesus is talking about. I think he's just saying this. Take radical measures with sin. You go to your doctor. Your doctor does a cholesterol test. And the report comes back. We're seeing uh, remnants of cookies and cream ice cream in your bloodstream. You say, well, that's probably accurate because I do partake three times a day and twice on Sundays. And he says, you need to get this out of your diet or you're going to be in trouble and your heart's not going to be healthy. So imagine you leave the doctor's office and you go over to Rite Aid, which has a tremendous selection of wonderful flavors of ice cream. And you don't just get the small box, which is now a ripoff. You know, they're smaller now. It's a whole different story, but you get the tub of cookies and cream ice cream. You buy it, you put it in the freezer, and then as you walk by, the door of the freezer creeps open ever so slightly, and the cookies and cream begins to say, partake of me, you know you want to. And you're like, oh, Lord, 
In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the cookies and cream. I will not. I will stand strong. I want to use the word fool. (laughs) That's so dumb. You don't buy the ice cream and then leave it there and hope you will be able to overcome. You've set yourself up for a fall. That's what Jesus is saying. Take quick, radical measures with sin so that you don't fall on your face in the kingdom of God, amen? And look, here's the good news. We're, we're at the end, thank God. I need a savior. The Sermon on the Mount shows me I desperately need a savior because I feel pretty good when I'm pointing fingers at everybody else. Those guys over there, ancient Israel, charlatans, phonies, those people, them, they. And then all of a sudden the light of the word comes into my heart and I go, ruh row. <laughs> I got some soul searching to do. I need a savior. And the good news is the one who preached the sermon took my penalty. Would you bow your heart with me? Jesus, you're the Torah teacher. And yet you suffered the curse of the law. Galatians tells us that you took that curse. Though you were completely innocent, though you fulfilled the law, you were perfect in heart, obedience, and outward action. Yet you had come on a saving mission to save your people. Thank you that salvation is by grace through faith. It's not anything that I can do Because if you kept a record of my sin, Lord, I would fall and be dust. But you nailed my sin to your cross. The commandments that screamed out against me, you took the nails, you took the shame, because you knew that without that sacrifice, I would be toast in the court of heaven. Thank you for the resurrection. Why don't you pray along with me if you need to articulate a prayer of asking God to save you or rededicating or just thanking him for salvation. Lord, you resurrected from the dead and when I think on the cross and I think about what you did for me, that you bore my shame though you fulfilled the law what can I say thank you for being my savior cry out to him thank him right now thank you for being my savior I do repent of my sin and I'm so grateful that I have the righteousness of Jesus credited to my account that's what the cross means That's what the resurrection means. Thank you, God. We have such good news to bask in. Salvation happens in a moment of time. Sanctification is a process. Thank you that you're changing my heart. Oh, Lord, I'm not the man I want to be, but 
I'm not the man I used to be. Thank you. Thank you that what you started in me, you're going to finish. Thank you that it's already been paid in full and we're just waiting for that day when everything will be consummated. Oh, Lord God, help us to be authentic. Playing games doesn't in any way impress you. But a contrite heart, those beatitudes that say, blessed are the merciful, they'll receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, I understand those a little bit more now that I've seen your words in this section, oh God. Make us like you. Father, I thank you for this precious congregation and their devotion to the word of God and their passion for the gospel. In our generation, Lord, we see so many things going on, but we see some good things happening as well, and we want to celebrate those. We pray that revival would break out over our land. Then instead of us trying to diminish the power and authority of the Bible or the God of the Bible, we would come back under your kingship and find right there great delight for our souls. I ask all of that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You've been listening to The Law of the King, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's Sermon on the Mount teaching in Matthew 5, 17 through 30. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel, or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. I remember we were we had moved into a new neighborhood in the mid-90s, and uh, a neighbor came walking by, and it was uh, just about the end of November coming to Christmas time, and they had a little cutout where they you know, would place the real estate sign. And I took advantage of that. A young man uh, that I was mentoring at the time and myself built a cross and we plopped it in there and a neighbor came walking by and he looked up at the cross and he went, Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. What are you guys? Some sort of Christian compound or something? I was like, no, we're just believers and we just love Jesus. And he said, well, I read Greek and uh, I live by the Sermon on the Mount. And I said, uh, I don't think you do. And we went back and forth for a while, but I was trying to convince him that he needed a savior, that the Sermon on the Mount, as incredible teaching as it is, and uh, the fact that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we could at least hit the mark a lot of the time when we're not walking in the flesh. I was trying to say to him, tell him about his need for Jesus, that he needs a savior. And he said he lived by the Sermon on the Mount. I said he didn't. Because the Sermon on the Mount is about your heart, not just your outward actions. And anyway, as we went back and forth, I was telling him he needed to be born again to see the kingdom. And so do you, and so do I. So can I ask you a question as we consider the law of the king? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord, Savior, God, and King? Have you realized that you can't keep the law 
if there was a law that could have been given to make us right with God, it would have been given. But the truth is, though the law is holy and good, we fall short. That's why Jesus came. He came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He came to save. He came on a mission to save. And um, in the purpose statements of the Bible, that's why Jesus said he came in Luke 19.10 to seek and to save that which was lost. If you haven't met him yet, you know, he is literally a prayer away. He's already paid the price, but we have to trust in him. And if you've not trusted in him as your Savior, Lord, and King, cry out to him, ask him to save you, tell him you believe in who he is, what he did for you, repent of your sin, and follow him. You know, he's so good, and he will give you everything you need. He'll give you the grace uh, that, that you need to be saved, and he'll give you the grace you need also to follow him. If we can help you in any way, it's walkintruth.com walkintruth.com. So glad you're listening and we'll see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. You gotta check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's second teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. He'll be in Matthew 5, 31 through 37, and it's called The Law of the King 2. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.